We, as Marian fathers, mostly attend Dominican House Seminary in Washington, D.C., and it's a very fine seminary. I also had the pleasure of attending Holy Apostles Seminary in Connecticut. And I'm always grateful for uh, what I was given there. And, you know, most men in seminary, you'll talk to them about what classes they like and don't. And for me, it was pretty simple. I did not really enjoy like canon law and, you know, the juridical person and things like that. It just didn't really resonate with me. Although for things like marriage, it was very important. And that's why they broke out that as its own course. But the two classes that I really love the most was Christology, which is the study of Jesus, who he was in his human will and his divine and his um, uh, divine person and his human person. Um, and the other was scripture. And I just loved my scripture classes. And I had some great teachers, Monsignor Turo, Father Alabaiti, all these others that just really brought scripture alive. And uh, I remember Monsignor Toro was one of those that, that gave us what we call an exegesis. It's when you take a passage and you, you, you try to go through it line by line and understand what our Lord is teaching. So, you know, I always laugh and, 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 and say, I'm bringing you guys, trying to bring you to seminary with me. So I went back and I was like, what did we talk about on this passage? And, and I remember this passage because it was one that was confusing for me. And I, I hope to convey what our Lord is saying here to give you a better understanding. Um, what is it? Well, it starts with the sign. Obviously, our Lord says that they are looking for a sign. Everybody wants a sign from somebody who claims to be a messenger of God, right? You're a prophet. Tell me what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Um, so this is what the people were doing. They desired to see God in the abnormal. They would look for miracles. Now, Brother Jason and I have been talking about working on Eucharistic miracles for a while now, and I'm actually going to do uh, the next two Saturday, explaining the faith series. I'm going to do Holy Communion Part 2 this Saturday, more brand new material on Holy Communion. Please join us. But then the following Saturday, I'm going to do Eucharistic Miracles. And uh, Brother Jason and I have been talking about doing more presentations on this. And I've, I've really started to realize the beauty that we have in these Eucharistic miracles. So sometimes God grants them. He gives us these miracles as a sign to boost our faith. Now, this is interesting because God shows himself, though, what we don't want to lose sight of. Every single event of the day that happens is a miracle. The fact that you got up today was a mini resurrection after your death of sleep last night. You kind of went into sleep. You went into like a mini death. Now you've resurrected. Um, the very fact that you took your last breath is a miracle. The very fact I, I always take for granted and I always try to remember to thank God that I can see, smell, taste, hear. When I had the coronavirus and I lost my taste, we just take these things for granted. It was surreal not being able to taste anything and how we take those for granted. So these are miracles every day that God gives us. Now, Jesus, though, calls the Jews an evil and adulterous generation, basically throughout scripture in many ways. Now, the word adulterous, we don't mean literally here. It doesn't mean that they were sexually impure, even though they may have been in certain ways. But it's not what he's referring to here. He's referring to that they weren't faithful to him. Remember, the Bible is a marriage. It is a wedding. And the mass is the wedding feast. You've heard me talk about that. God is the husband. He is the groom. The bride is Israel. 
now the church. Okay, and this is what's happening. This here is being is Christ accounting that Israel has been unfaithful and has given her love to these other gods. So she's been adulterous. And so this is what's going on. This is worse than physical adultery in some sense. Because this is our very God, our very groom, our very, our, uh, we're the bride and we're being unfaithful to this groom that has given us everything. It describes basically infidelity to God. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Jesus said, you're asking for a sign? I'm the sign. Me. This is, there's something greater than Jonah here. There's something greater than, um, than uh, what is it, the, the wisdom of Solomon here. There's something greater than Solomon here. People always say Jesus never proclaimed himself as God in the gospel. You have to read the context. And so the people of Nineveh, which by the way is modern day Iraq, very interesting because we think of what's happening with Islam in the Middle East. Keep praying, boy, the poor Christians in that area very persecuted. Well, anyway, they recognize God's warning. And it's very funny because they recognize God's warning in Jonah. All right. You know, all story, Jonah and the whale. That's one of the ones we grow up with as children. We really understand the power of a um, picture type of picture story like we have in Jonah and the whale. Then he talks about the queen of the South. Who's the queen of the South? The queen of Sheba. I remember when I was growing up, my sister was into this new fashion kind of stuff, you know, in the 80s, you know, and, uh, and my, she came out, remember when the, the um, big hair and, and all that kind of stuff, and my sister came out one day in some new clothes outfit. My mom's like, who do you think you are, the Queen of Sheba? And I was like, who's the Queen of Sheba? This is who the Lord's talking about. It's, it's modern day Yemen. And they recognize God in the wisdom, or she did, in the wisdom of Solomon. All right, so let's try to put this together. Jesus says, in me, there has come to you a greater wisdom than Solomon ever had. In me is this wisdom itself. Now, these older people of Nineveh, they recognized it in Jonah, and the people, or the queen of Sheba recognized it in Solomon, who recognized these signs. Now, here's what's interesting. They, says here, those are the people who recognize the signs that you don't. Jesus is telling them. And they will judge you. How is that? What does he mean by they will judge you? Jesus' greatest sign of all was the resurrection. All right. And he's going to do this on the third day, which he's foretelling here. How does he foretell it? Because he talks about here, the something is greater. He says that will come from this generation. Now, Jonah, we know, was in the whale, the Bible says, three, or big fish, three days and three nights. This is interesting. He was in the stomach. The scripture says, we talked about this in our seminary class, a big fish. Doesn't actually say whale. Now, it could have been a whale, not necessarily. So Jonah and the fish may be explained because we have learned that there could have been a whale because there are now evidence that sperm whales, which are the only whale that a man could live technically inside of, uh, used to live in the Mediterranean. But the Romans actually hunted them to extinction. 
So this is very possible that the whale story of Jonah is very true. A man could live inside a sperm whale, technically, and there were sperm whales in the Mediterranean before the Romans hunted them out. Now, this is very interesting because they could have swallowed basically whole. Now, what happened? Jonah came out alive. You all know the story, all right? In effect, he was dead for three days and became alive again. So this is what Jesus is pointing out. As Jonah was alive, became alive again, so Jesus will also arise from death. Now, this is the proof. This is your sign. This is what Jesus is saying. This is the sign that you will be given. So Jesus is telling them he would die for three days and then be alive again. And so this is the sign that the people are not catching. Now, what about three nights? I always wondered this in high school when I had religion class. It always says three days and three nights because Jesus compares himself to Jonah and it says Jonah was in the whale three days and three nights. How could it be three nights? Jesus was only in the tomb Friday night and Saturday night. Actually, what's very interesting is the church fathers included Holy Thursday night as part of that, part of that death. Because Holy Thursday, it was included as part of the passion because our Lord endured three nights of imprisonment. So those were the three nights. Now, there are some other church fathers who had take a different look. They say it was not three whole days and three whole nights, but part of three days. So now you have Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it was tradition to speak at the time, whenever you said days, nights were just included, even if technically they weren't. They included them as a figurative of speech, figure of speech, three days and three nights. Jesus was in the tomb parts of three days, Friday evening, Saturday, and Sunday morning. Now, this is interesting because you don't separate them. Jesus was actually dead for these parts of these three days. And the three days and three nights, in another sense, was also used to just mean a few days. <laughs> so whichever way you want to take it, this is why people say the scripture contradicts itself. It doesn't. You just have to know the context. All right, so let's finish here. This Jonah preached the good word of God to those in Nineveh. And they repented, as Brother Jason read, and turned back to God. This is the note for us today. Now, Jesus points out that he is greater than Jonah, but the Jews are not repenting. Jonah preached, listen to this, this is interesting. Jonah preached in Nineveh for only 40 days. Jesus preached amongst the Jews for three years. But they repented with Jonah and not with Jesus. The other thing Jesus uh, pointed out was Jonah, or I should say that we can point out here, is Jonah didn't do any miracles. Christ did several. So you'd think that would get him to repent. Then the people, what Jesus is saying here is the people of Nineveh repented without any signs. But the Jews did not repent, although they had all kinds of signs. Jesus worked these miracles. They did not believe him, and they did not accept him as the Christ. Yet they believed Jonah. So at the time of judgment, these people in Nineveh will judge these Jews because they saw, with much less, something that was less great. 
So I think it makes sense if you think about it that way. Now, let's say the last thing about Queen of the South, Queen of Sheba, all right? Jesus then mentions her, who said that she heard of Solomon's wisdom and came to hear Solomon. God showed more wisdom in Jesus, however, than any Solomon because Jesus is wisdom itself. And the Jews, the Jews who saw Jesus didn't see that wisdom. They didn't see it. So at the time of judgment, the queen of Sheba, like the Ninevites, will charge them as guilty. Jesus said there is something greater than Solomon here. Solomon was the son of David, and one of the greatest messianic titles of all was the son of David. And what did they call Jesus? The son of David. So Jesus was a greater son of David than Solomon. Yet Queen of Sheba saw that with much less in Solomon. So she's going to judge the Jews. So Jesus has got a wake-up call for us. And the image of the Ninevites and the Queen of Sheba are condemning the Jews would have scared them to death. This is the point. They expected, these Jews expected Israel to be vindicated at the time of judgment against other nations, not to be judged by them. Aren't we the same? Don't we a lot of times think we're going to be vindicated? We don't think about it enough that actually we may be humbled. In the responsorial psalm, Brother Jason just read, we talk about being humbled. That is the key. That's what Mary gives us in her virtues. You know, Jesus has claimed to be greater than Israel's richest and wisest king, Solomon. Very audacious. Very audacious. So by showing repentant Gentiles, such as the Ninevites and Queen of Sheba, or all the Ninevites, Matthew's telling us a story here that Jesus is coming to the Gentiles too. This is very important. Those who knew, um, you know, like the Queen of Sheba or the Ninevites, who know little are often the most responsive to the message of God. That's why God works through the broken and the unexpected. You know, you've always heard me say that, look who Jesus picked as his apostles, one who denied him three times, one who didn't believe in the resurrection, one who betrayed him, and they all ran away at the cross except for John. I always laugh because Jesus picked an all-star team, didn't he? And, and I always point out, I, I think it's worth saying it again, nobody though, <clears throat> when Judas betrayed Jesus, just like some priests have today, some bishops, nobody has ever said, Jesus, I'm leaving you because of Judas. Nobody's ever left Jesus because of Judas. When Judas betrayed Jesus, they didn't say, this can't be Jesus, you can't be the son of God because you would never have picked Judas. I've had a lot of people write me letters and say, I've left the church, Father, because there's no way this could be the true church when these priests have done this. Yeah, I get it, I do. But that doesn't not make it the church of Christ. The church like Christ is human and divine. In her divine nature, she's perfect. What you're gonna be taught and shown in the teachings of the church is infallible. But she's also human and in her human nature, she will fail. But please, although these priests and bishops have made grave mistakes, 
don't leave Jesus because of Judas. A very important message. And so some of these little humble ones, like the Ninevites, are the ones that see something bigger than the learned or the cultured. Remember, you've heard me say this too, Judas of all the 12 apostles, who was the most cultured, educated, and sophisticated? Judas, who was the rawest, roughest, and foul-mouthed Peter. And look what God did with Peter, and look what happened to Judas. So don't be, I think the message is, let us not be prideful because we've been given the fullness of the truth in our Catholic faith. Let us be thankful. Let us know that our need for God is great. Jesus told St. Faustina, um, and I think it's very powerful. Um, St. Faustina said to Jesus, I've given you everything. And he says, no, you haven't. She goes, yes, I have. He says, no, you haven't. She says, yes, I have, Lord. What haven't I given you? He says, you are misery. <laughs> because only in your misery do you see the need for mercy. And that's why our need for mercy is great, so great, that when we get too wise, we sometimes miss that. And so let us not seek signs all the time. Let us just see in our everyday life the beauty of God's miracles. And I think a great way to start is the miracle of life. All you have to do is see around us everything alive. When you wake up every morning and you have life, let us give thanks to God for that gift of life is his greatest of all miracles. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit DivineMercyPlus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's DivineMercyPlus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily Masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.